Okay, so this is um, actually a revision like podcast for anyone doing degree level chemistry hit me up um this is frankie dean and i'm doing a module about polymers and materials um and yeah so i'm just gonna read this read some of my revision out i'm gonna listen back to this and hopefully it will go into my head because i've been writing stuff out and it's not really going anywhere um so yeah if anyone else out here is a student chemistry student specifically they might be able to do a bit of physics or biology if you know you convince me um then that's what that's what i'm doing um this revision session is going to be an introduction on polymers and like the reasons we study them um so if you don't know much about polymers, I guess, then crystalline materials is like a word we use a lot. Single crystal, polycrystalline, amorphous. Those are the key words. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's it. So the, the definition of crystalline is atoms are organized in a periodic way. So like they're arranged, basically. They're, they're organized. That's not like me. Very disorganized. But yeah. Then single crystal is atoms that are basically a single crystal is at is where atoms are in a repeating like periodic array which is a really cool word over the entire extent of the material so basically it means that it's like a single entity like it's the same thing over and over again repeated monomer units to get polymer and then polycrystalline is a crystalline material comprised of lots of small organized crystals so basically poly means a lot, right? So it's just like a lot of them. Um, amorphous is when... So amorphous material, like, I think glass is amorphous. Don't take my word for it, but I'm pretty sure that's amorphous. From my revision, I'm trying to remember. Um, so that's where it lacks a sy- systematic atomic arrangement. So basically, like, they're often transparent as well. So glass, yeah, it just says here, I just read it. Glass is amorphous. There's no atomic arrangement, no organized periodic array like you find in crystalline materials it's like the opposite basically it's really random um and then you have so like a scale here i'm trying to describe it so you've got if you go right down to the atomic scale like 10 to the minus 10 meters so like really really small you have the size of an atom there and then you go up to dna which is 10 to the minus 9 10 to the minus 8 is protein then you can go up to 10 to the minus 5 which is a red blood cell so the red blood cells are quite big in comparison but still very small in comparison to like you know one meter or 10 to the minus zero meters um wait is that zero meters i okay now i'm starting to okay whatever it's just maths but let's just roll with it um (laughs) and then you have like defects so basically just things that are wrong with the crystal structure so you'll have 1d defects 2D defects and obviously 3D cracks. That's when you start seeing the cracks in the material. Obviously, that's 3D. You can see that. Um, that's like when you have hundreds of thousands or millions of atoms that are completely like disorganized, completely like, you know, broken up. So you can actually visually see the defect. Whereas 1D ones, obviously, you can't see because it's like 10 atoms, it's one nanometer, it's tiny. 2D, I'm not sure about that one. But uh, maybe you can if you have like a really good, I don't know, uh, magnifying glass. <laughs> and so then you have alloys. Um, wait a second. There we go. 
Okay. First of all, before we get onto alloys, just about solidification. So solidification is crystals start to grow in different orientations. This happens, and they stop growing when they meet another crystal grain. So grains are like I can't really explain. How do you explain a grain? It's just like a really big crystal, I guess. Um, so when they meet another crystal grain, basically, there's the growth stops. It's almost like they don't want to bombard each other. The grains don't want to touch each other almost, and so they stop growing. But they do grow in different orientations, so they don't grow like, you know, very uniformly. That's the word. Then they grow, you know, however they like. Really, they're like whatever. I'll just grow the crystals are like I'm just gonna grow however I like, and um, they grow. But then they 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 almost like can notice another crystal grain. They can always see one. They don't have eyes, obviously, but they can tell there's another one around. So they basically stop growing, and that's quite important solidification don't ask me why i just know it's important obviously crystal growth is important too if you want to grow certain crystals it's very important but so you have grain boundaries and this is what we're talking about with the crystal growth stopping um so when they meet two crystal grains that's where a grain boundary is that's like the meeting point like you know like a, a bound like almost like a border two countries it's like that really you have like a a line they don't cross you know like border control it's like that with crystals um and then can move on to like lots of different i mean if you've done first year chemistry you'll know about F scc bcc the different crystal structures and um, just in case you don't basically fcc is face center cubic structure this is um a crystal structure and basically and you also have hcp hexagonal closed packed i don't really want to get into those in detail about that because that's like a whole other lecture really just on crisp um solid state chemistry that's what they call it but um, they are quite important. And um, yeah, and so you have FCC, like it says here in my notes that basically you often find uh, copper, silver and aluminium are in FCC structures. And then HCP is cadmium, magnesium. Oh my gosh, it's testing my elements now. Um, titanium those are the ones that you find like in HCP structures basically whatever in here is the different strengths so HCP structures are generally more brittle we'll come on to that word in a minute they're fewer close packed slip planes and they're less ductile so they're, they're, you can't really shape them very well the HCP structures so they're not that great in terms of shaping if you want to make something out of them whereas the FCC are more ductile and they're good conductors so FCC is quite important so obviously we use copper and wire and stuff like that Aluminium, we're using a variety of different materials. So, yeah, and that's normally... That's often to do the sit planes, okay? Because the sit planes are actually kind of important when it comes to shaping and moulding. Um, and it doesn't really say much about BCC. Maybe I just forgot to write about that one. But, yeah, those are the two main ones that we use for different materials, FCC and HCB. Um, let's just already looked at types of defects. Self-interstitials and impurity defects. Okay. So these are quite important. So you have to about defects there on specifically interstitial. So that word I can never really explain. Um <laughs> basically I wrote here different atom in the wrong place. So like you have like a random atom from a different place, it's just stuck in a in a lattice structure where you have the same like repeating atom, you know, you'll just find this one there just like chilling completely out of place that's basically what i see as interstitial the de defect um and that's into impurity as well 
vacancy is kind of obvious when there's like an atom missing in the lattice that can have a massive impact on the structure substitutional impurities so obviously like like they're in the right sort of like place almost they're like placed in the right way whereas self-institutional like could be randomly placed not in the lattice it could just be like you know like almost like a electron just moving around it's a bit like that with with the interstitial whereas substitutional it's like when it's actually been substituted with another atom so imagine like on a on the on a football field you know you're substituting a player and it's gonna be in the same um position on on the field it's like that really with substitutional impurity it's in the same position but it's just completely wrong atom for the structure so that's substitutional defect Self-interstitial is different to interstitial because self-interstitial is when your the own atom is misplaced in the wrong location. If that makes sense, um, you try and understand that own atom is misplaced in the wrong location. I don't know how to reword that. Um, <laughs> there you go. But these are all important. These defects because they all produce stresses, obviously. And that's going to, like, well, local stresses is the right word, local stresses, because, you know, that's going to have an impact on the um, the overall crystal structure. You know, if you've got the wrong plate, the wrong things at the wrong place, that can, you know, impact the, and maybe the attractive forces. It can impact a variety of things, like strength, ductility, um, basically the important things that we need to build certain materials. And then I was about to talk about homogeneous... Um, alloys so this is where i was talking about earlier on then i got and then i got sidetracked so i'm just having a little look at how much is in this session quite a lot in the first session um okay so homogeneous alloys hopefully everyone knows what alloy is um it's like a cross between like a metal and then a material like i mean like an alloy could be like you know, have copper and, you know, you have, like, brass, for example. I can't remember the exact elements in it, but, like, a mixture of two or more elements, right? You, you mix them together, you're making something basically better than the element on its own. You're making it stronger, you're making it more useful. That's why we use alloys. We use it in a variety of different things, like in cars, and it's all around you, really. Um, so they can have substituted atoms, alloys, on extra or extra atoms, actually, purposely inserted, maybe into the interstitial sites. Um, so that's quite important. So they can be non-active sites. So you might insert an atom in there because it's not an active site, if you know what I mean. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you put it in that site because, yeah, um, if it's non-active, then it's not going to affect its structure, I'm guessing. Um, bear in mind, I'm literally a bit... I'm still trying to learn. I'm learning every day about this module. Um, it's called Polymers and Material Science. And it can be related to other sciences as well, by the way. But back to the topic. So all grains have similar composition. This is an important thing to remember. I cannot remember the exact definition of a grain. But if you look it up, Material Science on Google, it will tell you the definition. Um, but basically, they all have the same composition. No surprise there. So that's homogeneous alloys. I don't really understand, like, what that note was meant. I think it just means, like, homogeneous ones, obviously, homo, same. So they can have substituted atoms or extra atoms. Okay. 
just think about them having substituted atoms or extra atoms inserted into non-active sites. Okay, heterogeneous alloys though. So this could be, um, for examples here, alpha ferrite, so a solid solution of carbon in BCC iron. So obviously that's heterogeneous because, oh yeah, I remember now. Heterogeneous is to do with basically different states, right? So you might have a solid iron and a liquid carbon or, or solid carbon liquid iron. I'm not really sure what is going on here, but I know it's a solid solution. So basically you kind of like forming a solid from a solution. There you go. Um, <laughs> degree level chemistry. Um, so, and then you have iron carbide, which is another heterogeneous alloy. Intermetallic compound, apparently. And I've written here, intermetallic compound, which I didn't really know the definition of, was compound of specific composition. So, yeah, just what it says on the tin, really. It's got a specific composition, that's why it's intermetallic. Okay, and then grains, oh yeah, grains in heterogeneous alloys can have different compositions. So like we were saying earlier, homogeneous alloys, they all have similar composition, the grains. But in heterogeneous, grains can have different compositions and different potentials, so different charges. So heterogeneous gets a bit more crazy, a bit more going on there, um, which makes sense because obviously they come from different states, the different elements used. So there's going to be a lot more stuff going on there. So that's homogeneous and heterogeneous alloys in material science. And then you also have, so back to the defects, I guess, a bit more detail about the 2D defects. Um, so looking at, we're looking at 1D, 2D, 3D, everyone, like really briefly. So 2D defects, um, here you can have slip, um, which is basically just when, you know, the crystals slide past each other and then you can get stressed and then it can, you know, fracture, that sort of thing, if you know about it. Um, so slip causes defects to gather at grain boundaries. Okay, so the grain boundaries, remember, that's where they meet. You know, that's the limit of where they can go. When many gather, cracks and pores, so 3D defects, can form and act as stress rises, i.e. they cause more stress. So you don't really want that to happen. You don't want 2D defects to become 3D defects because, you know, it will, it will cause the structure to break. So you'll have different tests for materials um i did like a, a graph here that showed the different types of um materials so ceramics metals and polymers and like this is a stress strain graph which we use a lot in material science in physics and chemistry um to explain the structure's strength and you know how much slip and stuff it has and so ceramics is a very strong very strong material if you didn't know that already not much slip, it's quite brittle. So even though it's strong, it can be brittle. This is this is why chemistry gets really interesting. You can say something just has really strong bonds, but it can actually if you you know drop a ceramic plate on a hard surface, it's gonna smash, right? Um so we're gonna go into details why. Why why is it like that it is supposedly really strong, but actually it can break. Like everything can break on it. Um, you know, if there's enough pressure put on it. So rigid, it's also rigid as well. So metals are like in between polymers and ceramics. So metals have quite strong bonds, obviously, because we've got electrostatic forces there and stuff, but um, metallic bonds. But then they're not actually as strong as ceramics. You, this is this is what I, was mind blowing for me studying. Like, how can a metal be not 
have weaker strongs have, have weaker bonds sorry than ceramics that's what confused me I was like how does this work but there's actually more there's like a variety of different types of ceramics ceramics is not just your typical china bowl there's like a lot of different materials that are classified as ceramics um and then polymers is like the least strong out of all of them so the crystals we're looking at they have weaker bonds and they slip easily got slip planes they're they're actually quite tough though and they're ductile and they're flexible so they're not rigid like ceramics are rigid you can't you can't just bend them you know what i mean but you can bend polymers quite well and they they are ductile and that's why they're really useful and that's why they're sold a lot because they have many uses um just more graphs i think i think it's a very graph heavy module so i guess you know if you like graphs that's good um i like to color code them and stuff so because there's a lot of different lines you have like multiple lines in these graphs so you've got to understand what each graph is representing and what each part of the graph means so i use different colors if that's useful um another stress strain graph just looking at yield strength elastic regime slope which is e equals oh my gosh i can't remember the the names of the greek letters but yeah stress over strain and then tensile strength was at the one at the top right of the graph I mean, it's really difficult to explain if there's no picture but you can look up stress strain graphs for different materials and it'll come up on google ductility is a measure of the deformation at fracture that's the definition of ductility because i didn't really know what the definition was so yeah you're measuring basically how much does it deform at the at the point of fracture so um you know there's a lot of stress on ductile material before it can actually break basically that's what that's saying um toughness is the ability to absorb energy up to fracture so about how much it can absorb so ductility is to do with how much it deforms changes shape but um tough toughness is about the ability to absorb energy up to fracture i.e total area under the stress strain curve and then the units um, is energy per unit volume, joules per meter cubed. It can be measured by an impact test. I mean, again, it says, what it says on the tin, impact test, you're going to put impact on it, if that's the right English, um, for it and test how much it can absorb before it breaks. Um, another graph showing crack propagation as well is a really important word to use. Always use crack propagation, it's just like, yeah a good word to use uh, if you're writing an essay about it hardness and measure of the materials resistance to localized um plastic deformation so I'm not going to go into detail about what plastic deformation is but yeah it's to do with resistance really hardness how much can it resist to localize deformation okay that's more important the word localize is more important there so like a dent or a scratch you know if that can become more extreme and more serious and it might actually break how how do you measure how much resistance it has to that kind of deformation so it's basically it says here another definite um, toughness is resistance to oh yes and then toughness so i think we just said it everyone it's about resistance to impact load yeah the other word impact diamond is obviously hard material if you haven't seen or felt a diamond before it looks pretty hard 
It can resist localised plastic deformation, so it can resist dents or scratches. This is how I, def- I define plastic deformation. Like it can resist dents or scratches, but it's not very tough, so it can't resist a lot of impact load, which I didn't know this before I studied this. So diamond can be hard, but it's also not very tough, so it can't resist um, under impact load, which, um, you know, tough materials can. So that's a little session on materials and polymer science I didn't really go into much detail about polymers that was more to do with um just random definitions and like trying to understand a bit of introduction I've got a little bit here about metals um and slip systems but I mean I could go on forever (laughs) and that's why I think it's important to just do like a little bit every time not like bombard those information because I won't be able to understand it if I did that um I think I wrote a lot for the first session. But yeah, if you like this podcast, if you want to hear more, please let me know. I am doing this for like my own self. Like it's more of a revision kind of like technique that I'm doing because I'm quite an audio learner. So if it's helpful, if you're a student, let me know. If it's not, that's fine. I'm still going to use it. So thank you and have a nice day.